1: So, faced with the question, where did they go next with this podcast? The guys were recently joined by legendary musical genius Bruce Dickerson, who's agreed to be the new producer of the Stack and Benjamin's show. They were all excited to meet him.
2: Hey, fellas, I'm Bruce Dickerson. Yes, the Bruce Dickerson. You have a dynamite sound, fantastic sound. I have only one suggestion. (laughs) More cowbell. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. <laughs> I'm Joe's mom's neighbor Doug, and ha, ow, oh, it's a great day in the basement because today's the anniversary of James Brown being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and also because on today's show, we're featuring Dave Ramsey, personality superstar, Chris Hogan. Plus, in our headline segment, will the government shutdown affect this year's tax return season? One publication discusses many potential issues, and we're gonna cover them all today. More? Oh, have we got more? Ow! Oh yeah! Ugh! Step back! Kiss myself! Oh, tastes so good. Uh, 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 uh yeah, We're gonna throw the uh, Haven Lifeline out to a lucky listener and answer a question from the mailbag. In. Uh, uh. Ah! Ow! Yeah! We'll top it all off with my amazing trivia! Oh yeah! And now, two guys who wish they could dance like James Brown and me, Joe and OG!
0: I love it when OG dances like James Brown every time the ice cream truck comes down Mom Street. It is awesome to watch.
3: I don't have a retort for that. I was trying to think of something, but I couldn't come up with anything. Because it's true. But you're, right.
0: <laughs> you're all about the ice cream sandwiches. Now, come on.
3: I do like ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, Schwann man ice cream sandwiches, particularly. Oh, hold don't The one they that, they're, when, when they're crunchy, when you take a bite and they crunch. Oh,
0: Even in the winter, I can't believe it's it's 23 degrees here as we record this, and you and I are talking about ice cream, and I still love it. I could absolutely do this all day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Ice Cream for the Win podcast. I'm Joe Salci. I average Joe money on Twitter, and across from me, the man who is not the fake OG on Twitter, it's the real other guy, or as we call him, OG.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: Well, guess what? (laughs) Not just you. Chris Hogan's here. That increases the property values. Yeah, it does. Yeah. A bit, actually.
3: Does he know what he's getting himself into? Of course he has no idea.
0: Do you think we tell people ahead of time what they're doing? I'm always amazed when people come back. That's what makes mom always happy. She's like, you guys must be doing something right because you come back. Of course, we always have the ice cream bar, so maybe that's that's why. If you can't get people with the ice cream bar, I mean, how else are you going to get them? I mean, you know what gets me every time? Skillshare. I'm so addicted to this site because you pay one fee And you get to take as many classes as you want. And I am binging right now on branding and design classes. Because, you know, I'm one of those guys that knows what I like when I see it. But actually putting the colors together is not something I'm great at. Fantastic classes at Skillshare. Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Skillshare is offering you, because you're smart enough to listen to the show, two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free to sign up. Head to Skillshare.com. sb. That's Skillshare.com slash SB. Thanks to Skillshare. Also, thanks to OnDeck for supporting Stacky Benjamins. If you're a stacker who's a small business owner and you need capital today, Well, OnDeck can help with over $10 billion in loans and an A-plus rating for the Better Business Bureau. OnDeck is the lender you can trust. Find out more at OnDeck.com slash SB if you're a business owner and uh, looking to grow the company in early 2019. We're growing this podcast, man, because Chris Hogan's here. But first, we got some headlines, so let's move.
3: Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines.
0: Our first headline comes to us from MarketWatch. Last week, Bank of America announced their profits. And I thought there's a lot of personal finance. So what? In this piece, O.G. So I wanted to go over this. uh, This is by Rachel Louise Enzen. Bank of America profit and revenue beat estimates. Bank of America Corporation said Wednesday that fourth quarter profit rose sharply from a year ago. Quarterly profit at the Charlotte, North Carolina-based bank, the second largest in the U.S. by assets, was seven point two eight billion dollars. That's not how much they brought in. That was their profit: seven point two eight billion. Yes, compared with two point three seven billion a year ago. It's a nice little bump. Good night, yeah. Per share earnings were 70 cents. Analysts polled by Refinitiv had expected 63 cents per share. Fourth quarter revenue was 22.74 billion. That's how much business they did. 22.74 billion dollars compared with 20.44 billion a year ago. Analysts had expected 22.4 billion. Earnings benefited from the corporate tax cut passed in late 2017. In the same quarter year ago, Bank of America took a large one-time charge related to the tax overhaul. The lender's bottom line was also lifted by rising interest rates. Bank of America has been able to charge higher rates on loans, but hasn't paid out much more to depositors, boosting profits. In December, the Federal Reserve raised its benchmark rate for the fourth time in 2018. Bank of America paid 0.63% on U.S. interest-bearing deposits in the fourth quarter compared with 0.5% in the third quarter. Still, investors have turned gloomy on bank stocks. This is the last quarter where earnings growth will benefit from favorable comparisons to a period where corporate tax rates were higher, and the Federal Reserve has signaled a more cautious approach to future rate hikes. I want to go through this because there's a ton of stuff here. Number one, Bank of America's revenue stream. And it's hard to do numbers on a podcast, so stick with us here, people. I want to start with revenue because that's the amount of money they're bringing in. It was 22.74 billion up from 20.44 billion. So the first thing they did, OG, wasn't shrink the bottom line. They're first thinking about how do I grow the top line? And I think a lot of people think about coupon clipping. We just had Jen Smith on last week talking about how to have a no spend month or a week or a weekend, right? How do we lower expenses? The first thing Bank of America did was they raised the amount of business that was coming through the bank. I think more people need to look at their financial picture that way
3: as well. And this can take a lot of forms. It could be something as simple as going through the house and selling a whole bunch of stuff that you don't need anymore. It could be a part-time job, side hustle type thing. Or it could be something like getting a better job or asking for a pay raise.
0: number I saw recently, 60% of bosses said that if their employee asked them for a pay raise, they would give them one. 60%. Yeah. And people rarely, rarely do it now that is revenue. So they grow the top line, make themselves more money. That makes sense. But then the second thing with your budget is not having expense creep. So how much money can you keep, right? As you make more money, how much can you keep? So the difference between 22.74 billion, 20.44, we're just going to say $2 billion, a little less than that, but their profit was $7.28 billion compared with $2.37 billion. So after they made more money, they also made sure expense creep. Now, for a company, it's going to be a little different, but they made sure expense creep was lower by making sure that they kept more of that money. So the question isn't just how much you make. That's always a cool thing. It's then how do I find ways to automate that so it stays out of my monthly budget and instead goes into the coffers, right? So how can I put money in my Roth IRA? Can I put it into my HSA? Can I put money into my new house fund or my kid's college fund or just the vacation expense fund? Whatever it is, how can I keep more of that money? And Bank of America clearly did a great job of that the last quarter.
3: Automation is one of those things that Once you get it set up the way that you want it set up, and there's no right or wrong way to do it, but it just makes the decision making that much easier. Sometimes we talk about decision fatigue. And as you're faced with more and more financial decisions, should I pay down the debt? Should I add more money to my IRA? Should I fund the kids college? Should I increase my cash reserve? Should I fix the basement project that I want to do or start a vacation fund? If every time your paycheck comes in, you have to think about what do I want to do with this week's paycheck? where do I want to put this extra money? You're going to get worn out yeah. because there's too many choices. So instead, think about it one time, spend the weekend thinking about it. I just went through this. I told you I went through this the other day. I have a rental property. Cash flow is a ton of money, which is great. I think I'm on paycheck number three of it. So it's kind of accumulating in the bank account. And and I kicked around a couple of different ideas. Did I want to save it? Did I want to invest it? Did I want to leave it in cash? And And... And I just said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do half of it is going to go into an investment account. The other half is going to go to pay down the mortgage faster. I called the bank. I had it set up to automatically pay an extra principal payment on the 15th of every month. And now that's the system I'm going to use. I don't know that that's the right one. A lot of people would say, well, shouldn't you put the money in your investment account or shouldn't you pay all of it on your mortgage or whatever? That's immaterial. That's what we've decided to do in our family. So now if the investment fund from the house does better it's automatically going to be split 50 50 half the money is going to go to the investment account half the money goes to pay down the house
0: and i want to put a big point on what you said at the beginning of that statement which is there is this scientific thing called decision fatigue right and you talk about people get worn out don't waste your decisions you only have so many decisions every day and at the end of a certain amount of decisions your brain goes you know what i'm done for today man i did a lot And if you waste
3: those... happens about 10 o'clock in the morning for me just about (laughs) every day, just so you know. Like another cup of coffee? Okay, fine. And you're done.
0: (laughs) And cut. Yeah. For me, it happened about 6.32 this morning. But don't waste your decision fatigue on things that you can automate. Make sure you're spending your time on those big rocks and not on the little things. You see people waste so much time on stuff that they could easily automate. There's another piece on here that I thought was also interesting which was there was the amount they brought in per share for the last quarter. Earnings were 70 cents. Analysts thought it was going to be 63 cents. And this is where I love comparing my finances to a company's finances, because companies have this quarter by quarter number they're trying to hit. I just want to ask everybody in the audience, do you have a quarterly number you're trying to hit? And what do your, quote, analysts think? Like, I know, you know, we talked about Cheryl and I meet every week. You don't have to meet every week. But wouldn't it be cool to have, like, a a once-a-quarter meeting to see how you did versus the quarter that you set up? And then your analyst, you and whoever your little committee is— are you excited? Are you disappointed? Would your stock have gone up? Would it have gone down? And then set out your expectations for the next quarter and then see if you reach those. I love that. I think that That's would a be- a good
3: idea. I like that.
0: So cool. Stephen Covey talked about families having a family mission statement. I think uh-huh. this would go hand in hand with a family mission statement. Our family's trying to do X, Y, Z. Here's what we're going to do toward that next quarter. At the end of the quarter, have the meeting. Yeah, we messed it up. <laughs> we we spent too much money on a big screen TV analysts are disappointed. Stock would have gone down.
3: Stock, stock's going down. <laughs> <laughs> the kids are leaving. Yeah.
0: I, I love that idea.
3: You can involve your kids too in this, right? You could make this a big family type of thing. So like fun. That.
0: Could be so fun. Now let's get to the cynical stuff that all of you thought I was going to talk about. Bank of America is a for-profit institution. It doesn't exist for the customer. And they proved it again last, last quarter. And I'm not ripping Bank of America, I'm just saying, which is rare for me, because I'm okay with doing that. But in this case, they exist for their shareholders. And shareholders got a nice bump because Bank of America did so well. Bang! Bank of America gets to I-5 themselves. Here's how they did it. They kept interest rates on loans moving up quickly, which is what they do. And they said, hey, you person who's a saver, person doing it right, staying out of debt, we're not going to pay you crap and yet and yet people stay with them people keep so much money in their checking account their savings account that they're not spending we we have magnified money sponsoring you know shows here with online banks paying what 2% and up bank of america just went up from 0.5 to 0.63 so that they could reward somebody other than you for that
3: unless you're a shareholder unless you're a shareholder if you're a shareholder of Bank of America, your dividend payout is what, 2.1%, something like that, probably. Yeah. So you make more money owning Bank of America stock than you do having your money in Bank of America banks.
0: <laughs> Which is a lesson, right? I,
3: th- I was going to say, therein lies the lesson.
0: What's more important, right? Shareholders partake. But I think if you're not, you know, we talk about using a credit union. Uh, We talk about using online banking. This is the reason why. Um, And it's just the nature of the beast when it comes to something like Bank of America. So I don't want to get stuck on that for too long, but I thought there were so many things we could learn from that Bank of America quarterly earnings last week. Uh, Fun stuff. Our second headline comes to us from CNBC. This is disconcerting for everybody listening if you're in the United States. Of course, we've had this government shutdown hopefully by the time this is released. The government shutdown is over. I hope so. But whether it is or not, Darla Mercado wrote this. These shutdown hurdles could mess up your tax refund. The IRS and other institutions way behind on some of the rulings they need because we have a lot of changes to the tax code this year. There's going to be a lot of people who may have some issues filing. Let's uh, dig into this for a second. As the partial federal shutdown enters another week, opening day for tax season is rapidly approaching. Accountants warn it won't be fun for filers. The IRS, the nation's tax collector, said two weeks ago it would open the filing season on January 28th and will send refunds to filers, shutdown or not. The tax agency also said it would recall a significant portion of its workforce ordering them back to work without pay. Accountants say even if the taxman is able to crank out taxpayer refunds, the shutdown could make the filing process more painful than usual. Quote, it looks like getting the refund will no longer be the issue. Now it's the lack of support you'll get if you try to call. And it'll be significant this year, said Tim Steffen, CPA and Director of Advanced Planning at Robert W. Baird & Company. Here's what might be standing between you and your refund if the shutdown continues. Accountants have been waiting for the last word on regulations that would affect clients' 2018 returns. For instance, small businesses are holding out for the 20% qualified business income deduction. It's a break for so-called pass-through entities, including sole proprietorships and S-corporations. Accountants are awaiting final regulations from the Treasury on this break to help clients with their 2018 returns. The shutdown has slowed that process. I think that deduction applies to more people than we realize, said Barry Picker, CPA and co-founder of Picker and Auerbach in Brooklyn, New York. It'd be nice to have those final regulations. You don't want to be filing amended returns, he added. While the shutdown has been ongoing for more than three weeks, the IRS still hasn't rolled out its contingency plan for tax filing season. Positions that have been furloughed include personnel who will respond to taxpayer queries according to an earlier contingency plan from the agency. The IRS gets more than 95 million calls on its toll-free lines each year, according to a 2017 report from the agency's Taxpayer Advocacy Service. Close to 40% of taxpayers polled by the Taxpayer Advocate Service said that calling the IRS didn't fully resolve their problem. The advocate administered a survey to 3,735 filers in February of 2017. Areas where you might be dissatisfied, OG, return preparation assistance, information on a notice, and information on a refund, the Taxpayer Advocate Service found. So if you're calling about those things, you might see that slowed this year. Even the Form 1040 has been overhauled, trimmed to the size of a postcard and accompanied by six schedules. I'm worried that the service won't be able to respond to questions, said Troy Lewis, CPA and chair of American Institute of CPAs Tax Force on Qualified Business Income. I can't think of a time when there's been more change for individuals in the last two decades where people will be asking for answers, he said. Taxpayers with amended returns may also wait a little longer to get a refund if the showdown continues. An amended tax return or Form 1040X must be submitted on paper. It could take up to 16 weeks to process. According to the IRS, the big news here, OG, start your taxes early. Because if you run into any type of problem this year, there's a good chance it could be a long road to get your questions answered that you really need to fill that form in correctly.
3: So for you and I, that means sometime around October 13th, we should really get things going after we file our extensions. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be a pain. I actually saw a thing on Twitter the other day that said, the IRS is processing refunds but is not doing audits. And then the tweet said, asymmetric risk opportunity. (laughs) But don't be fooled. They will be back to work. I was going to say, I'd
0: highlight risk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. This will be real frustrating for people that have questions and it's frustrating for tax preparers. We do a little bit of tax preparation work for our clients. And, uh, and sometimes you just have questions. You just don't know where to put something or you can't really get some clarification. And so you're asking for some help. And even the professional tax preparer phone number, uh, sometimes gets backed up and, and that can be frustrating for preparers and you know, for customers of preparers, they want their refunds done, you know, or they want their returns done right away so they can get their refunds and get working on them early. That's probably the best idea. Yeah, that is some great advice.
0: Lots of uncertainty this year. We're going to have our takeaways in just a second. But first, whether you're somebody trying to understand the tax code better, understand what the heck we're talking about when it comes to personal finance, there's actually a place where you can go learn about those things and other things that either help your career or or help your side hustle, or just to learn more. And it's called Skillshare. Stacky Benjamins is brought to you by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators like OG and I. With more than 25,000 classes in design, financial planning, business, and more, you'll find countless ways to fuel your curiosity, or creativity, in your career. Take classes in social media, marketing, mobile photography, as I mentioned, financial planning, how business works, creative writing, illustration, I took a DSLR class. I'm taking a design class right now. Classes by people that you may like if you're somebody with a side hustle, people like Gary Vaynerchuk or business thinkers who like Simon Sinek. Lots of the people you know teach on Skillshare. So whether you're looking to discover something new, a new passion, start a side hustle or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving and reaching those new year's goals. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for Stacking Benjamin stackers, get two months of Skillshare for free. That's longer than the one month you'll get if you just go to the Skillshare site. It's right. Skillshare's offering Stacking Benjamins listeners two months, unlimited access, over 25,000 classes for free. Here's what you do to sign up. Head to Skillshare.com slash SB. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash SB to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash SB. I think our takeaways here, OG, number one is start your tax returns early and we're not talking about October 13th. Let's talk about, let's talk about starting now, make sure you're ready to go at the open of tax return season, because if you're going to have questions, which you might this year with all of the changes to the way that you file taxes, you've got plenty of time to get those answered. So start early. And uh, number two, think of your family as if it's a business, as if you're bank of America, are your analysts happy with what you did the last quarter Or are they maybe looking for some improvement?
3: (laughs) Going to replace the chairman?
0: (laughs) With your 12-year-old, right? Well, you may know him by his voice. You may know him by his podcast, The Chris Hogan Show. You may know him because he is... One of the Dave Ramsey personalities. You might have seen him live, but Chris Hogan is one of the most dynamic people I've ever met. And I'm so happy we finally have him coming down to the basement to talk about everyday millionaires. OG, how do we become an everyday millionaire? I bet knowing Chris Hogan, he might talk just a little bit about behavior. What do you think?
3: Maybe just a smidge. (laughs)
0: Maybe, maybe a little. Let's all get better with our money with Chris Hogan coming down the stairs to the basement. And coming down the steps, it's our good friend, Chris Hogan. How are you, man?
1: Oh, I'm doing well, Joe. It's good to be back with
0: you. Well, congratulations on the book tour. How are you liking uh, going from hotel room to hotel room for a few months?
1: Well, you know what? I mean, the hotels I could do without, but I tell you what, as I go city to city, I love meeting the people. Yeah, right. Um, I love talking to these everyday, hardworking men and women that are focused and have the courage to chase down their dreams.
0: Well, let's dive into it because in your new book, Everyday Millionaires, you say that millionaires believe they can do it. Did you always personally believe that you could be a millionaire, Chris?
1: No, I did not, to be honest with you. I, I thought growing up in rural Kentucky that, you know, a millionaire was someone that either made a million dollars a year, was a pro athlete or an entertainer, or they inherited it from their family.
0: Yeah, I want to dig into some of those because you talk about a lot of those myths. But you also say that millionaires don't believe the popular lies about the wealthy. Maybe that's what you're alluding to. What are some of the lies?
1: Well, you have to be careful, right? Because, Joe, if you believe a lie, you start to limit yourself in what you can achieve. And so we busted six big myths inside of this book. Two that really jumped out at me are the number one, that wealthy people inherited all their money. A lot of people firmly believe this. And the reality is, based on us doing the largest study of millionaires that's ever been done, we talked to over 10,000 of them. And the truth is, 79% of these millionaires didn't inherit a dime. And then you had 5% of them that didn't inherit enough to cause them to become a millionaire. So you've got an overwhelming percentage. Almost 83% of them did not become millionaires because of anything they inherited. So the truth is, is they're regular, hardworking, everyday men and women that were focused and had the courage to chase down their goals?
0: But if it doesn't mean inheritance, Chris, does it mean a high-paying job?
1: Not at all. That was another myth we busted. People believe they have high-paying jobs. And the truth is, a third of these millionaires never had a six-figure household income in a single working year. Now, hear me with this. We're talking about dual-income families that didn't make six figures. So high-paying job has to go out the window. It's not. These people are working. A lot of them were making under $100,000 a year, but they were still investing over time. By the way, 79% of them said the number one thing that caused them to get to millionaire status was investing in their employer-sponsored retirement plans. So that means we're talking 401Ks, 403Bs, and Roth IRAs. These are the same tools we have available to us where we work
0: which is interesting because you know i hear some very and you you've seen these people too chris some very high profile people saying you should avoid your 401k because of the fees you should maybe because you don't know where the money's going yada 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 but you're saying that hey i can just invest at work and and uh, get there
1: yeah absolutely anybody that's telling people to avoid the 401k they don't know what they're talking about obviously you want to be investing in things that you understand and you know but here's the deal we know inflation is real We know the cost of things are going to go up. Gas prices five years ago were a whole lot less than now. So five years from now, guess what? They're going to be higher. So if your money is staying the same, you're going backwards. We have to grow our money. And the best way to do that is investing it.
0: Well, people think though, okay, so it's not a high paying job. It's not an inheritance. What about, you know, status growing up? Are these people that had came from wealthy families?
1: Not at all. What's amazing to me is eight out of 10 of these millionaires came from lower, middle to lower income families. It wasn't a matter that they had a silver spoon in their mouth, that anybody handed them anything. These were hardworking people, people that made decisions for themselves. And I'll tell you another stat that jumped out at me from this research, 97% of these millionaires feel that they control their own destiny. So that means they're hardworking. They're focused. They're not scared of anything that's hard. They want to do things that are worthwhile. And so that's the thing that I I love about people and who they are and what they're chasing.
0: Yeah, that it's right in your hands. No matter who you are, it's in your own hands.
1: It is in your own hands. And I think, you know what? As Americans, we believe this. We know we live in the greatest country on the planet where you can have an idea and make a decision today to start moving down a path. We don't need anybody's permission. There's no permission slip like back in grade school. We get a chance to do that with our energy and effort each and every day.
0: Can we dig into one of these stories about the everyday millionaires? Because you profile quite a few people. Maybe, let's talk about Thomas, because this was a really interesting story. Can you tell me a little bit about him?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thomas is an interesting story just because of his his childhood. And uh, he had a rough upbringing. It wasn't easy for him. Uh, His dad was an alcoholic. Uh, His mother suffered from some mental health issues. And they struggled with him growing up uh, to the point that he spent time in three or four different foster homes throughout his childhood. But despite those challenges, despite the setbacks and and the hard upbringing, he was even able to stay focused himself. Uh, He ended up serving the country in the military. Uh, He came back, pursued his degree in college, uh, went on and got an advanced degree and went into education. And so he knew the value of people hearing affirming words and being taught. So he went into education. But what's amazing is, is that Thomas, who came from that tough upbringing, ended up retiring with a net worth of over $2.7 million. Wow. So, again, it's not a matter of what you come from. It's not a matter of where you were born. It's the choices we get to make for ourselves each and every day.
0: Is, is one of those choices, I mean, going to Thomas, it sounds like going into education, he's surrounding himself with a certain type of people. Did you find it's a little bit, Chris, of who you surround yourself with?
1: Well, I think it's really important. You know, I mean, the people always say, you know, the people that you're around really impact what you think and what you believe is possible. And so I think it's important for us to really take a look around the people we're hanging out with. Are these people that are motivated? You know, are they hardworking? Are they goal oriented? Do they take personal responsibility? These are some of the attributes we saw in the research of what makes everyday millionaires. And so I think it's very important for us to be aware of who we're around. Those people impact our thoughts and our beliefs.
0: Well, let's dig in then for people listening. If it's right in our fingertips and we can all do it, What's that first step? Like, how do we get on the road then ourselves, to becoming a millionaire?
1: Well, I think the first step is, is that you have to believe that it's possible, that you have to believe that it's available to you. Despite where you were born or where you went to school, it's available to you. And I think once we do that, we've got to grow our knowledge. We really got to start to understand how budgeting works, about saving, the threat of debt, and the importance of investing. But not just that, but making sure we're getting guidance and getting the right people around us. Sixty-eight percent of these millionaires use an investment professional to help guide them along their path. So if we have the beliefs, we have the knowledge, the third most crucial thing that we have to control are our actions, making sure that we're living intentionally with money, that we're understanding how it works and we're controlling it. Ninety-four percent of these millionaires live below what they make. So they're not spending every dime. They're being very intentional.
0: I, don't, I definitely want to dive into these just a little bit more, just because of the fact that what you said is such a big point, and I don't want to gloss over it. The belief part, I think we covered that really well. Second was education and knowing mm. how budget works, knowing how, how investments work. Where do we start? I mean, obviously, we got this cool guy, Chris Hogan, that we can start with, right? But, but what type of resources do you like, Chris?
1: Well, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of podcasts myself. I love growing. I'm reading constantly or listening to podcasts. I believe we are the result of what we feed ourselves and also what we tell ourselves. And so I think we got to be careful of that voice inside your head that's either encouraging you or limiting you. If your voice in your head isn't playing positive, encouraging messages to you, I want you to change the track. Start to tell yourself positive things that, hey, it won't be easy, but it'll be worthwhile that you believe in yourself and you can do it and get some people around you to help you reinforce that message.
0: Well, and that was my next thing. You talked next about the team around you. Tell me about some of the pitfalls people find when they're choosing their team. Where are some potential places they might make a mistake?
1: Well, I think you have to be careful. I think anytime you're building a team around you, and that could be investment professionals, tax professionals, anybody in this realm of money, I want you to make sure when you're looking for someone that you find someone that has the heart of a teacher. And heart of a teacher means that they're trying to help you get to your goals. They're not just trying to sell you stuff. And I think when you get someone with the heart of a teacher, that's where they're laying things out. They're listening to your questions. They're talking with you, not at you. And now you feel like you know more after interacting with those individuals. Finding those people are absolutely crucial to your everyday millionaire journey.
0: Yeah, great advice. And the last one was was the action, right? Making sure you're taking the right action. Do you have a system like at the end of the day that you go back and look at the actions that you took and kind of do a replay or maybe a family meeting? Or, or uh, how do we make sure that those actions that we're taking are, are actions that are going the way we want them to go?
1: Well, I think it's crucial in a few areas. I'm a big on goal setting. You know, Zig Ziglar played a powerful role in my life growing up with his automobile university. So I think writing down goals and being clear on what you want to accomplish is imperative. But when it comes to financial you know budgeting is is really really important to write down a plan for your money before the beginning of the month and track that each week see if you're staying on pace and if you do have debt and a lot of people do it doesn't mean you can't still become an everyday millionaire we just have to get a plan to get your money back and so make that debt snowball list your debts out smallest to biggest and track your progress each and every week
0: that's great. And I think you have to be intentional about setting that time aside because you know you know as well as anybody, as busy as you are, if you don't intentionally set that time aside, Chris, it's going to go bye-bye to be the first thing that you say no to.
1: You know what? I couldn't agree with you more. And I think intentionality and personal responsibility and believing that you can are essentially the three themes of this book. And so I'm excited to get it into people's hands. I want people to read this message and make a decision for themselves uh, regardless of where you are right now, it doesn't have to be where you stop. You've got an opportunity to be able to grow forward and chase down your dreams.
0: Ziegler, you referenced a term that I haven't heard in a long time that I'd love for you to talk about because you know what you're talking about. And I do too. When you say automobile university, but, <laughs> but, but this is a powerful thing, man. I've not thought about automobile university in a while. Tell us about that.
1: Zig was a big proponent of people growing in their knowledge and whether you were pursuing a higher education or or not, but using the downtime that we have to grow ourselves. And he referred to Automobile University of being aware of the stuff that you're listening to. You know, he used to have cassette tapes. I just dated myself right there, <laughs> back in the day, yeah. and listening to those things. But listen, we've got computers at our fingertips with our phones. Listening to shows like yours, finding information online and really growing our knowledge, that's the best way for us to strengthen ourselves and encourage ourselves each and every day. Well, that's what I
0: like when it comes to this- this downtime. I mean, part of the fun for me on my daily run is strapping on my headphones. I have a little running buddy thing that I put my listening device in, put my phone in. I tune into your podcast and you're off running with me for five miles, but otherwise it would be downtime. I'm, I'm sweating and I'm not even thinking about sweating, Chris, because you're motivating the heck out of me.
1: Well, I appreciate that, my friend, and that's an honor I think in this world, we can all get a little bit better when we're around people that encourage us and push us. So I just want to encourage everybody out there to to really think bigger. I heard this. I was uh, going from hotel to hotel, and I heard an NFL coach say this phrase, and I'm going to use it. I'm using it with you first. He said, what we have to do is starve our distractions and feed our focus. And I think that's something that's absolutely imperative in this and life. Anything you want to get better on, starve your distractions, but feed your focus. I wish you were
0: motivational. I really, I really wish that you had an ability to motivate people. The book is called everyday millionaire. There's a forward by this guy named Dave Ramsey. Not sure who he is, uh, how ordinary people built extraordinary wealth and how you can too. Where can we get the book, Chris?
1: Well, you can get the book and all information about me by going to my website. You can go to Chris Hogan, 360.com. That's Chris Hogan, 360.com.
0: Chris, I'm so happy to talk to you again. Thanks for including us on the tour and good luck with the rest of the tour.
1: Thank you, my friend.
2: World, but it wouldn't mean nothing. Oh, oh, oh uh, uh, sorry there, trivia fans. Hey, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to my incredible trivia segment. Some people call it phenomenal and stupendous and astounding, but you know, I don't kowtow to that sort of hyperbolic language. We'll just stick to incredible, okay? Hey, we don't need to be over the top about it. Well, today, we're gonna get this show rockin'. Yeah! Because on this day, back in 1986, what's that, like five years ago, James Kiss Yourself Brown was among the first group of artists to be inducted into the then-brand-new Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Throughout his decades of entertaining audiences with his incredible showmanship and one-of-a-kind style... You know, some people say he and I are very much alike on that front. James Brown became known by monikers like the original Disco Man, not my personal favorite, the hardest working man in show business, that one's awesome, just like me, and even Mr. Dynamite. I know what you're thinking. Those really could be names for me, too. Yeah, I know. But get this. James Henke, chief curator for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, selected 500 tunes that influenced rock and roll, and in true form of being the hardest-working man in show business, Brown had not one or two, but three songs make that list. So here's your trivia question. Name any of them, any of Brown's songs that made the list, and I'll be right back with your answer after this. Ow!
0: you know another lesson i learned og this last week listening to another podcast i was listening to how soul cycle was created and when they walked into their bank and the fact that their bank understood nothing about how they worked that was so frustrating and you hear these frustrating stories from business owners all the time or people trying to start businesses people that uh, that have a great idea or they're serving their community Somebody who, don't get me wrong, they know how their money's made, they just need access to cash to either build out their business, purchase more inventory, upgrade, whatever it might be. Thanks to On Deck for supporting our podcast because the people at On Deck understand what business owners are going through. So if you need capital to manage cash flow, purchase inventory, upgrade your office space, you already know. The getting access to capital is incredibly challenging for small business owners and most traditional banks lack the technology and resources to actually understand your business. Well, on deck is hundred percent committed to small business owners with fast, easy and tailored financing, whether it's a term loan or a line of credit, their loan specialist can help you secure the funding you need. Of course, it depends on what you're doing, right? It might be a term loan because you have a certain build out project, might be a line of credit because you know your cash flow and what your cash flow needs. You'll get a decision in minutes and funding it as fast as 24 hours. Something else banks struggle with there. On deck does not require any business collateral. The application process is simple and it won't impact your personal credit. You know how many small business owners get frustrated when they walk into their bank and the bank wants to tie as much of you personally to your business as possible. Don't have to worry about that. Well, with over $10 billion in loans and an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, OnDeck is a lender that you can trust. For a free consultation with one of their U.S.-based loan specialists, head to ondeck.com slash SB. That's ondeck.com slash SB for a free consultation. And obviously, if you know that you need help but you're not sure where, you can go to on deck.com slash SB talk to somebody and they can help you fill in the blanks about exactly how to achieve exactly what is standing in the way of you and your
2: business. Welcome back trivia fans. Yeah, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. So this being a money show and all, I was curious about how much money the hardest working man in show business made back in the day, you know, so I can uh, compare my net worth with his. And I think James Brown must have fibbed a little about his net worth because, you know, it says here that James Brown's net worth is valued at like $100 million, which is nearly $100 million more than mine. Well, let's not throw stones here. As Joe's mom says, how about that trivia, Doug? Get on with the trivia, Doug. She's always saying, get on with it. Jeez, Ma, all right, I'll get on with it. Name just one of James Brown's Three songs that made the Hall of Fame's list for most influential songs that helped shape rock and roll. Your possible answers well, you could have said, I feel good, or uh, please, 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 or say it loud, say it strong, I'm black and I'm proud. If you said any of those three, you'd be right. And in honor of your success, let me play you a riff from my new song on my air guitar. Check this out. Here I go. <laughs> Oh man, that's oh I'm killing it. Absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah, you must have you learned something there, right? Because that's that's how the pros do it. You're welcome. So you
0: I remember playing I feel good back in rock band days. The era plastic instruments. I kind of <laughs> wish that was back. Like just for New Year's parties, you know. That type of thing. Like, we never hauled that stuff out except when we'd have, you know, big groups of people over. And then you'd set that thing out and people would all take turns playing. And it was always... A,
3: you know, you can buy it at GameStop. Yeah. You have to get a it, Xbox 360.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you can't buy all that plastic stuff anymore. GameStop. Yeah.
3: Really? Yeah, they have, some of them do. Yeah, you can, you know, some of them have, I mean. Because
0: I tried to take my old stuff back in because I knew we weren't going to use it anymore and I had upgraded our Xbox and uh, they wouldn't take it. They won't take it on return. Huh. Maybe it's a, too much of it's broken, but who yeah. who knows?
3: Yeah, the microphone and the drum set. I was never good at the drums. I can never do the drums.
0: That's a guy watching James Brown biopic a couple years ago. There is a person who had just such a messy personal life and was just, something else when he got on stage,
3: you know? Yeah. I don't know anything about him. Yeah.
0: It was a, it was not the world's best movie. It was, eh, it was, it was was all right. Uh, Hey, let's throw out the Haven lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions, which isn't uh, James Brown's tax returns. Yeah. Not James Brown's personal life. Our friends at Haven life insurance agency, they put what you value first filing your tax returns on time. said
3: that. Early even.
0: Yes. Well, it's your loved ones and your time. And imagine if you spent time up front, you won't be frustrated at the end and you can spend happy time with your loved ones. How would that be? That's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybeduments.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. I love all the press about how simple it is. Haven Life is really rocking the term insurance world. Affordable prices, applications, super simple and online so you're not poking your eye out no waiting several weeks for a decision super lovely customer support stackybenjamins.com forward slash haven life and today we're throwing out the haven lifeline to our new bff matthew say hi matthew hey joe and og this is matt recently married to my wife the last few months and it's about tax season time um, what do we do or where can we find information for newlyweds when it comes to taxes? We both have jobs, no kids, no house. So it should be pretty simple. And I'm assuming online services would probably do tax or the like. But I still wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Thanks again. Great question, Matthew. You know, for a very simple tax, tax return OG, I can answer this one. A little bit, which is we have a good friend, Hannah Rounds, who's come on the show the last two years, and we're going to have her on again next week, actually talking about comparing tech software. Because for somebody who has it as simple as Matt has it, as a newlywed, no stuff out of the ordinary OG, I think probably tech software is going to be the way to go.
3: It really is. I mean, if you've got a very clean way of organizing your finances already, you've got a pretty straightforward financial tax picture, a couple of W-2s, a couple of interest statements, a dividend statement from your brokerage account, a Roth IRA contribution, maybe a little bit of money in interest or charitable donations. It's going to take 15 minutes to go through your taxes. One of the nice things about the simplification of the Schedule A this year, or rather the increase of the deduction, which makes that Schedule A almost go away for a lot of people. I'll be interested to see the number, but it seems like everybody I talk to is going to just skip the itemized deductions yeah. this year. Yeah, I didn't. And it's just going to be like, boom, minus 24 grand. Here's my tax rate. Pay my taxes. Off I go.
0: We took a bunch of books to the library to donate. The woman said, you want a receipt? Every year I've said yes. This year I said no. i taking yeah. taken books to the library for... Two thirds of the people listening, at least, no longer going to have an effect where in the past it might have.
3: Yeah, that and property tax limitation and that sort of stuff too is going to cut down on a lot of things. So, I think that the TurboTax software, or however you want to do it, is going to be the easiest way to do it, and off you go. I am glad, by the
0: way, that Matt clarified in that first sentence that he's married to his wife. That's yes, that's a good idea, Matt. As a newlywed, staying married to your wife means always clarifying that that's who you're married to. No, I don't want to give him him too much grief uh, because he was brave enough to call in. But thank you very much, Matt, for calling in. And congratulations on being a newlywed. That's awesome. We also get letters down here in the basement. This letter comes to us from John. John said, I recently met with an advisor from Northwest mutual. They got me situated with a term life insurance and disability insurance plan. That same advisor set my fiance up with a whole life policy for $200 a month. She's 26 currently meeting the match on her 401k, but doesn't have any other retirement accounts. Wouldn't it be in her best interest to have term life and use the extra to put in a Roth? Thanks for the question,
3: John. What do you think? When you start with the life insurance question, you have to start with, what are you trying to insure or who are you trying to insure against what? And if you're single and you don't have anybody that's that relies on you for support for uh, living expenses, I wonder why you need life insurance at all. I think a common thing to say if you're an insurance salesperson is, hey, you should get it now, Joe, because you're 22 and you're healthy and you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. That's That's true. But it's also a way to start buying life insurance two or three or four or five years earlier than you actually need to have it. So if you kind of go down that threshold of, do I need life insurance? I think probably the answer is probably no. And if you do need it, then what's the best way to do it? Whole life or permanent insurance versus term insurance, unless there's some really specific reason and some health concerns out in the future that you need to have insurance from day one that can never go away... I don't know why whole life for a 26-year-old, when they're not maxing out all of the rest of their uh, savings and investment vehicles, I-, I don't understand how that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting to me because when he said that the Northwest Mutual person recommended term life insurance and disability coverage, I thought, fantastic. Because as you know, OG, a lot of people have disability coverage through work. You also know that a lot of the time they just check the box and that disability coverage is nowhere near enough and people say, yeah, I've got it. Now, how much do I have? And I'm much more worried about disability coverage, actually, than I am life insurance. I mean, it depends on the situation, but if you are maimed and you can't work, you're much more of a financial liability to your family than you are if you pass away. Of course, if you were the sole breadwinner, you know, people have to figure out what their income stream is without the two. But I definitely, um, I definitely worry a lot more about disability insurance. I think most advisors do, don't you? Worry more about disability insurance than the average well, yeah. person walking down the street.
3: Well, I mean, especially for a single 20-something, you know, that's the biggest issue. Fast forward 15 years, you've got three kids, a big mortgage, and a spouse stays at home. Now you're talking about life insurance is a real big need too, but so is disability. Yeah, You know, it's not an either or at that point. I like the disability thing for John, but... uh I, I,
0: yeah, the whole life insurance. I'm trying, to, I'm trying
3: to be real nice here. The whole life but, insurance. Uh, the
0: big question is is why? I, I like the, that. The
3: big the big question is what did the Northwestern guy spend his twenty four hundred dollar commission on?
0: Yeah, where did that where where did that go? Well, the big the, the I think the bigger question. I mean, that's a little cynical. The bigger question is is why?
3: It's <laughs> a there, lot of cynical.
0: Was there something in their discussion? that we don't know about that led them to that thing. Cause we don't know all the information about why you do that. We've talked before about for the right person, which to be clear here is way far less than it's recommended for the right person, whole life insurance. Okay. You know, you can go do that, but without a lot of information, John, I think we agree with you that that money might be better spent. So ask why first. Thanks for the questions. If you've got a question for the show, call the Haven Lifeline, com forward slash voicemail, because Matt as a newlywed is going to get to show off his stacky Benjamin swag with his spouse. I'm sure that will just increase the amount. She thinks that she made the right choice. Like when her new husband shows up in a stacky Benjamin's greatest money show on earth t-shirt, she's going to go, I'm married to that guy. And congratulations on that, Matt. If you'd like to email us or just see all the ways to interface with us, head to stackybedjamins.com and you'll see a link at the top of the page. that says questions for the show. Click here and there you go. Last thing for today. Well, we actually have two quick things. Number one is thanks to everybody who's left a review of this podcast reviews of the show or how we tell people exactly what they're getting into when they listen to stacky Benjamins. And this one mom's putting on her fridge. This is five stars from Day from Ireland. Best show ever I can't speak highly enough of this show. It's the perfect mix of entertainment and financial education. Since I've started listening to this podcast, I've learned that my old strategy using target date funds was not a good one. And I'm actually happy about the stock market sell-off because as OG says, everything's on sale. This podcast is a must listen to anyone who likes having money. Great job, guys. Looking forward to learning nothing next year. Thanks for the kind words, Dave. And if you can leave us a review, that helps people understand that uh, this might not be a show like a lot of other financial shows. Last thing, of course, is if you're putting your financial planning team together in 2019, or looking for great help. OG and his firm are taking clients. So to get on OG and his firm's clients about how they'd work with you, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG. All right. That's good to do it for today. Thanks a ton. Everybody go stack some Benjamins. Doug, take it from here. What should we have learned today?
2: Paid the cost to be the boss. Paid the cost to be the boss. Having fun. Got money to burn. Having fun. Got money to burn. Oh, God, man. Again, somebody tell me when you're turning the mic on. All right, sure, fine, Joe. I'll tell everybody what they should have learned today besides how awesome I am at singing. Anyway, hey, take some advice from Chris Hogan. You don't need to be from a rich family. You don't need an inheritance. In fact, you don't need fancy financial products. Instead, believe you can, create a game plan with milestones, surround yourself with good people in an awesome band, and then work your plan, baby. You'll be a millionaire like so many others before you. Second, Worried about debt? You should be, but don't forget that you have big goals to save for. A good plan isn't just about getting out of debt, it's about making your mark on the world around that, and for most goals, it'll take some money to make that a reality. But the biggest lesson? Turns out, nobody saw my amazing air guitar act because OG just informed me after all these years, this is an audio podcast. I've been doing my hair and nails for 700 episodes and nobody sees me? That actually explains a lot. Hmm. Guess I can stop trimming my mullet. Special thanks to Chris Hogan for coming down to the basement. You'll find his book Everyday Millionaire at ChrisHogan.com or wherever books are sold. Stacking Benjamins supports independent bookstores so you can use our link StackingBenjamins.com forward slash Powell's to find the book from an independent bookseller, addicted to Amazon, we got your back too. Head to stackingbenjamins.com and on our show notes page, we'll include the Amazon link. That's just the kind of guys we are. This show was created by Joe Sehi, produced by Richie Rutter reese and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjaminsCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you could only know what it really smells like down here. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
0: I know we have a backlog of movies that we were going to talk about, but I did want to talk about something. We, we generally don't talk a lot about our reviews, but we haven't done this in a long time. So I thought it's a good time for us to do this in the after show. Og, which is we got a review, which was a nice review. It said it's a good podcast, but our podcast is too long. And I want to tell you about got a
3: lot of important stuff to talk about there. So, well, I, I, w- know what gonna
0: I just want to tell people the method behind the madness because you know, We live in the world of public opinion and whether I think that that's fair or not is fine, but we're in a world where we put this thing out to people and people are going to share what they think about it. But I wanted to take a second because we haven't talked a little bit about how we put the show together so that the show length is not a problem. They say when you create a podcast, create a podcast that you would want to listen to. And so you also know when you create a podcast that you are going to attract people who are kind of like you and you'll repel people who are not like you and who don't like what you do. You know, we go into that knowing that people aren't exactly like OG and I and uh, the guests that we have on the show. Nobody's like you,
3: buddy.
0: (laughs) And, And they might not, you know, appreciate what we do, which is fine. And it's why the podcast is free and it's why there's lots of podcasts out there. And I certainly listen to a wide variety of podcasts myself. But the way that we engineered this show was to specifically fight against that particular review about the show being too long because number one, when I listen to podcasts, I'm not a completionist. I love shows like the Tim Ferriss show, which will sometimes oh, gee, you know, it goes sometimes three hours, right? I don't ever get time to play video games. I love video game podcasts because it just puts me in my happy place and I can go on a five mile run and hear what new technology is going on and the latest games coming out. Sometimes one show I listen to the giant bombcast, those those shows are sometimes five hours. I don't listen to the whole thing. I listen to Chris Hardwick's podcast. Our friend Paula over at Afford Anything, uh, where I appear sometimes, her shows will sometimes be very intense, long discussions. And uh, we try to keep our segments short for people so we can get through things, maybe before you have to park the car at work or wherever you're commuting to or before the run's over. But... I don't expect people to listen to the whole show. We love you listening to the whole show, and I'm not discouraging you from doing that. But when it comes to podcasts, I will listen to as much as I can. And if it's a good podcast, I'll come back for the next one. And I have to say thank you to so many people who have over and over come back for the next one, right? But if you're trying to swallow 80 minutes of stuff three days a week, I get it. You're probably not going to hear every word we say. And OG and I don't go crying that you're not listening to every single word that we say. So the show's created specifically that way. Now, I will say this, and Steve, our editor, will agree. 80, 85 minutes, probably too long. The 30 to 45 minutes that the person's advocating in in this review ain't ever going to happen. Because I like having two different headlines. I like having 15 to 20 minutes with a guest, hopefully. And sometimes we go a little longer, but we're not as long as the in-depth interviews are there. And then I like answering two listener questions. And if we're done with that in 45, 50 minutes, and then we, uh, you know, can have this segment afterwards. I think we, I think we've created the product that we intended to make. So I just feel bad. Whoever left that review, we haven't talked about how we put the show together in a long time. OG. And certainly we're not going to have time to respond to every, you know, critique or criticism. And frankly, partly because we like it the way it is. But, um, but that one, I really did want to tell somebody that, um, that, that, Hey, if you feel like our show is too long, turn it off and just come back next time. It's okay. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. That's all right. I do the same. That's thing. what I do.
3: I check out probably six or seven times during an episode,
0: <laughs> which is, which is why, uh, you know, I got to keep waking you up. Like, Hey dude, yeah. we're on the next thing. No. All right. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal's savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there and Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval.